Welcome to The Best of Charlotte, a podcast featuring the best small businesses and the most influential professionals in Charlotte, North Carolina. Each week, we'll bring you a new interview with those small business owners and professionals that are making a big impact here in the Charlotte area. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, my friends. I'm your host, Jeff Ham, and this is episode 61 of Charlotte's number one small business podcast. In this episode, I sit down with Charlotte restaurateur Manny Flores. Manny is the founder of the highly successful Kayonda and Kefresa restaurant concepts. During this conversation, Manny shares the story of his entrepreneurial journey and the inspiration behind his popular restaurants. He also shares some exciting news about some new locations and even hints at the possibility of future expansion. Listeners of this podcast who are thinking of launching their own businesses will be very interested in the advice Manny shares throughout this episode. Thanks as always for following along with the Best of Charlotte podcast and connecting a little more closely with the Charlotte small business community. Enjoy getting to know the founder of Kayonda and Kefresa, Manny Flores. Manny Flores is joining the podcast today. He is the founder, CEO, and president of Kayonda Tacos and Tequila, as well as uh, some other concepts we're going to talk about as well. Manny, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Great to have you. I've told you before I hit record that um, my family and I have been to the Kayonda in the, the Highland Creek location several times over the last several years. And uh, we go there all the time. We love it. So this is really cool that we were Thank able you. to connect for the podcast. Uh, I've been excited to feature your brand on the podcast. Manny, before we get into the company and the restaurant concepts, share for the listeners a little bit of your background, a little yeah. bio on you, and, um, and we'll go from there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty lengthy one, so I'll give the shorter version of it. Um, so I'm uh, uh, originally from El Salvador, um, moved here when I was uh, fairly small, five, six years old, and moved to the Washington, D.C. area. My parents um, entrepreneurs themselves uh, have had and continue to have many businesses in the Washington, D.C. area. So I was always around accounting, bookkeeping, cash register, guest face, guest interaction, and so forth. Um, they, it, my, my mom and dad own uh, beauty salons, uh, had a restaurant, now also have a grocery store. So um, the business side always came extremely natural for my siblings and myself. So grew up in Washington, D.C., and um, during um, uh, high school, needed a job. So I started working in, in restaurants uh, from the bottom, washing dishes, like everybody else starts in restaurants, uh, running food. Got really good at it while I went to architecture school in the University of Maryland. Um, and um, always envisioned myself as an architect. I actually have a degree in architecture. And... Um, got my first job as an architect, um, drawing everything on computer aided drafting, construction management, and so forth. And the cubicle just wasn't for me, and I was raised around people all the time. So I just said, you know, I don't know, maybe I made a mistake. So I stuck around in restaurants, and um, my restaurant career started with Jose Andres, uh, a restaurant group uh, in Washington D.C. Spanish. Spanish food, now he has Mexican, uh, uh, Mediterranean, and um, got to move up the ranks fairly quickly. So open restaurants, managed restaurants, planned restaurants, and um, was with him for about 11 years. After that, 
the second job that I had, um, moved on to another restaurateur. His name is Richard Sandoval. And opened roughly 32 restaurants all across the globe. Um, and got a lot of experience uh, upper management. So director of operations, uh, regional. Um, I got to do construction of restaurants. So that's where my architecture really paid off. Um, and was with him for 11 years as well. So that's 22 years of restaurant experience there. And then got married, had my kids. Um, and wife and I just said, you know, great. We, anything that we do restaurant wise has become successful. Why not do it for myself? Um, so corporate offices for Richard Sandoval, uh, are in Denver, Colorado, always, um, connected here in Charlotte. And every once in a while, I'd get stuck here and kind of roam around the city. I, in 2014, decided, wife and I, hey, we're going to move here. Um, cost of living was half the cost, and the square footage was twice. Uh, and the schools were really good for my young boys. Um, so we said, hey, let's leap of faith. It's just her and I. Let's do it. And with the, always with the mentality that we're going to open our first restaurant. And that's exactly how it happened. I... Um, joined uh, um, National Restaurant um, a group of brokers, and um, they looked for uh, search for our first restaurant in the Highland Creek location. So, opened that one in 2015, and then from there, that's kind of where we are now. So, <laughs> did it take a lot of personal finances as well to to open the the first place? Did you invest a lot of your own savings? Yeah, it was all equity. Um, we had. Um, purchased a home back in 2010, so we had about four years of equity in the house. And the way the uh, real estate works in in the Washington D.C. area is, you get in early, and then it just jumps, oh, skyrockets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we basically saved up a little bit of money um, while raising a family because my wife had to stay home. We wanted her to stay home to raise the kids, so one income. So we um, relied a lot on our um, equity of the house and had really good equity on it. So. Did all of the upgrades ourselves to save a little bit of money, knowing that in a couple of years we were going to sell it yeah. so we can open our restaurant. So it was 100% financed by us. It mm-hmm. was We never did bank loans or SBA, none of that. Wow, it was just really? hardcore cash. Yeah. It, it, and that's where, you know, it would it really matter because it's it's this is our life savings. Like yeah. we make it or mm-hmm. we break it, you know. Yeah. But, you know, we... My wife, um, I met her in restaurants as well, and she grew up around restaurants. So we knew we could make it. And in a market, when we got here in 2014, that really didn't have amazing Mexican food, a lot of good Mexican food, a lot of average Mexican food. We said, you know what? It's perfect. There's a void. Service was lacking in many restaurants. We got to focus on that. And let's start from scratch. Let's buy used plates and used silverware and take it off from there. Everything will come and everything will fall in place as long as wife and I were together. So, um, yeah, that's that's how it worked. And it was completely financed by 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 us. I grew up in the northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. area uh, for I don't know, half of my childhood yeah. uh, off and on. And I remember the the real estate values and the the, the vertical nature of the real estate market in Washington, D.C. Yeah. and in Northern Virginia and Maryland was incredible. So, um, yeah, I know how that works really well. I, I, 
I love that you mentioned that you really, you know, watched your nickels and dimes mm-hmm. when you opened the first place. And again, the first place was the Highland Creek location. Highland Creek location, yeah. And you know, our motto has always been, um, "Watch the pennies, the dollars will fall." So, yeah. um, you know, the restaurant business is a very hard business, a lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. And it's not a very stable business. Actually, people always recommend against it, even even investors. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the experience that we had and people face more than anything, you know, we consider our company no longer just a food and beverage establishment. We consider a people establishment. And mm-hmm. once you can cross that, that's when it's special. That's when it's easier to do what you do because it is long hours. It is holiday weekends working, missed birthdays, um, but we always knew that we wanted to do this um, here in Charlotte because you know, I fell in love with the city. I, I always stayed at the uh, Marriott in, uh, in Uptown, which now happens to be right across the street from my second location, the Uptown location wow. on West Trade Street. Who, who would have known? I mean, I walked that space countless amount of times and, you know, it just... Looking back now, it's just, wow, we, we actually made it, you know? It's mm-hmm. very nice. It's a good feeling. What made you select the Highland Creek location for your first location? Um, so I always knew we wanted an anchor store. Um, we always knew our first one had to be in a neighborhood. Um, we didn't want the um, the challenges of a city, downtown, city center, or anything like that. We wanted to start with interacting with neighbors we wanted to meet families we wanted to young couples we wanted to meet people in the parking lot they were going to an anchor store right next to us so that uh, those were some of our requirements when when we worked with national restaurants uh, uh, it's we wanted an anchor store like a grocery store and at that point it was um 201 i think it was called. 201 central 201 yep. central mm-hmm. and it was a Small grocery, smoke, cigar, wine, and beer. And then now it's a, a food line. Mm-hmm. And the ABC was there. So we looked at all the tenants and we said, amazing foot traffic. Visibility, we didn't have any marketing dollars. So we said the visibility has to be number one. Um, and we also wanted to select a restaurant that had been there a couple of years as Mexican. Um, it was Three Amigos was there. Uh, so uh, Three Amigos was there a couple of years. If, if everything checked off. And we saw Matthews. We saw Fort Mill. We went, uh, we went everywhere. But the neighborhood fit our concept. Um, we, everything checked off in terms of the location, what we were looking for. It was close to home because I live in Harrisburg. So it's a 10, 15 minute drive. And it was a situation where, um, why not? But a crazy story. We looked at countless restaurants. When I look, when I went to go look at that restaurant, I walked through the property. They were closed. We had to keep it hush-hush because it was confidential. We didn't want employees to leave. We wanted to retain as much as possible. But the, uh, right after, we were had the weekend to make a decision whether we wanted to proceed with the purchase or not. Uh, it was a Friday we did the walkthrough. On Saturday, I said, you know, what? I'm going to go by myself and kind of check out the volume and see what people are saying, ask questions at the bar, talk to the employees. And there was a gentleman at the bar. 
by himself, sat next to him, and I looked at him and I said, hey, what do you think of the place? He goes, my first time here. And he mentioned a scripture of the Bible. And I'm not a very religious person. My religion is, is mostly in my heart, which is my temple, and my mind, which is karma. Um, and he said to me, he said this verse of the Bible, and he said, you were meant to be here today. This man had never met me before. And he said, you're meant to be here. You're going to do great things here. And I was like, wow, like, how do you know anything about me or why, I'm, why am I even here? I wasn't even supposed to be here. Yeah. And so that was kind of like the icing on the cake. And that's when I called my wife and I said, this is it. We, we, we're, we're, we're signing this, this uh, deal. A sign? Yeah. Wow. And immediately on Monday morning, we signed and took over on Tuesday. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> that's cool. I, uh, yeah, talk about a sign. Wow. What, who, um, how did you develop the menu? At the at the first um, location. Well, right prior to um, uh, the Highland Creek location, remember I worked for eleven years for a Mexican mm-hmm. restaurant group, um, Richard Sandoval Restaurants, and we developed a lot of menus. We did a lot of research and development in Mexico, so I kind of knew what direction I wanted to go with with Mexican food, more the modern take, um, better presentation, extremely powerful flavors in the palate, um, freshness. So it, 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 it was natural for me to do Mexican food. Mm-hmm. And I'm not from Mexico. My wife is. Um, so, it, you know, it was a situation that um, I had already done 32 Mexican menus. I said, I, I know exactly what we want. I, it's, it's, it's tried and tested. Yeah. And we just pulled the best of the best in that lineup. And that's how the menu came came. You out. had a, a decade or more of expert, uh, exactly. of experience Chesso and Mexico. developed a... Uh, yeah. And expertise in that in that uh, in that space, so you were comfortable. Um, you knew it, your concept was going to be a Absolutely. Mexican restaurant. We had it written out and everything, business plan. Um, we knew the name that we wanted. Um, we knew the style of service, the cocktail program. We knew we wanted to be a tequila bar, mm-hmm. um, and we just needed the space. And like I said, everything checked off, including faith. You know. Yeah. How did you come up with the name? Um, so originally the name was supposed to be called, um, uh, Cuatro Cuates means four close friends. There's four partners, myself, um, my wife's dad, uh, my wife's brother. And then I brought a very close friend of mine that worked 20 plus years with me in Washington, DC for the kitchen, mm-hmm. um, uh, operations. Uh, and so there were four of us and we were starting from scratch. And so four close friends, very Mexican slang, but the name just didn't, when we started designing the logo, it just, it, it, it wouldn't translate into a logo. So, um, if you know anything about Mexico, the one terminology they use for everything is que onda. It means hello, it means what's up, it means you're starting trouble, it's street, it's formal, it's informal. It, it, everything about que onda, you'll hear it in any part of Mexico and now all the way down to Argentina and South America. Que onda is a staple, like saying okay. Uh-huh. So um, that was for us, uh, while we were looking at the name, the original name, Cuatro Cuates, we kept saying, que onda with this, que onda with that, que onda. and I just said to myself, there, there it is. <laughs> That's it. Nobody has it. We looked up the trademark 
uh, rights to the name. There was a, there's a Keonda radio station in Austin. Mm -hmm. As long as the tagline was different, we could actually register that name. And I knew I wanted to um, grab people's attention, not just to do Mexican grill, which everyone else was doing on the tagline. We wanted to be what people notice, tacos and tequila. That said, you know what, we're going to sell amazing tacos and then we're going to keep them coming for the entrees. And then the tequila program is going to keep them coming for the shots and the margaritas. Um, so that's how the, the name came around. The logo itself translated extremely well because... Um, we at that point, I think the movie was called um, the Sugar Skull uh, Day of the Dead movie. Uh, it skipped my mind, but it's a animated movie, Coco, mm -hmm. Coco, and then uh, Book of Life. Um, so it was an it's an animated movie dedicated to the Day of the Dead holiday in Mexico, and Sugar Skulls were in back then. So I said, Hey, let's do a Sugar Skull logo, and I decided to trace my father in law's skull because he has really um, wide cheekbones, a thick mustache, and a gold tooth. And I said, if that doesn't scream Mexican, nothing does. So I said, that's the skull that I want. And so literally, it's him. Um, so we did a sugar skull. We added the crown for Queen City. And then the if you'll see our logo to the side, both sides, left and right, the base of the logo, uh, it has blue flames coming out of it. And that's dedicated to... Uh, the Panthers. I'm a big football fan. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's it's uh, Panther blue flames that are coming out of the skull. So even that has something, you know, when we train our employees, and I just did one yesterday, actually, onboarding and uh, welcoming a, a new manager to the team. We, um, I, I explained that. And it's important for them, everyone to know our beginnings and who we are, where we're trying to go. And, the, the, you know, everything from the logo to the menu to the look to the music, the ambiance, you know, temperature control um, it is really important. We don't miss any any detail in the dining experience. I love to get an idea of the inspiration behind a brand's name. Yeah. So that was that's really interesting. Thanks for sharing that. You mentioned earlier Matthews, and um, I think you mentioned Rock Hill. Or um, the locations. We have, uh, so the first one is Highland Creek. The second one was Uptown. Uh, third is Matthews, mm -hmm. uh, the Weddington area. Uh, not the downtown Matthews, but a little bit further. S still Mecklenburg, Me Mecklenburg County, but it's Matthews. Um, and University City, which we opened in 2018. So we opened, our goal was to open 10 restaurants, 10 Keondas, er one every year starting in 2015. So by 2025, evaluate where we were going to be. Um, and we were on pace. We were on track. 15 Highland Creek, 16 Uptown, 17 Matthews, 18 University. 19, I said, you know, I, I kind of want to enjoy my family a little bit right now. Let uh -huh. me take off 19 and catch up in 2020. What happened in 2020? No, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? 2020 had different plans for us all. Um, and so, you know, we took those two years off, 2020 and 2021. And then 2022, we opened um, our second brand. Tell me about the second brand. Called uh, Quefresa yeah. uh, Taqueria. It's a, a concept that's a quick service, hybrid concept that has a full service um, a theme at the bar. It's a full bar as well. Um, for that, we wanted a location that had quick service, counter service. Um, good friends of mine now, uh, Anthony and Lisa, own Picante in uh, West Moorhead and Freemore. We knew that restaurants, quick service restaurants thrive. 
um, drive-throughs, counter, in and out. People didn't want to be in the building. So I said, you know what? We're missing an opportunity here. Not saying that this ever is going to happen again. Obviously, we, we don't. But um, that's what thrived, and that's what people started to recognize. I said, we can't miss this boat. Plus, I had done quick service before in, in Miami with, with Richard's Hunderwell Restaurants. And I always wanted to do it. And I already had the training guides. I already had everything to, to do something. And so, um, again, spoke to national restaurants um, and gave them our checklist for this specific brand. We said we wanted something quick service, taco focused, and um, but we're going to do a twist. We're going to add a bunch of appetizers, small plates to the menu on top of all the tacos with bowls, burritos, sandwiches, salads, healthy side as well. And the kick to it is I want a full bar in it as well. There wasn't, there's nothing like it. You know, there's many concepts right now in Charlotte that are thriving, but none of them really do what we do in terms of quick service and a full bar. So when I say full bar, it's a tequila program with 75 tequilas on the menu, cocktails and margaritas. And it's very informal. You go to the counter. We always thought about it. Go to the counter, order, then go to the bar, order. Boom, everything comes together. I pick my own table. I clean up after myself. Um, but if I'm with friends and family in town and I really want the service at Kefresa, I'll wait for a stool at the bar because then I have bartenders. Mm -hmm. And that's what's really different. It's kind of like a hybrid concept. And when we were thinking about it, we wanted to be close to Uptown. But not necessarily in Uptown because we have Keonda there. Um, and But we wanted to be around the stadiums and so forth. And we found a, an amazing spot. It was Old Picante on Westmore and Freemore. And got to meet the owners. They finished their lease, 10-year lease, and they wanted to get out. And they had a concert there called Picante, um, that kind of like a chipotle. You go to the counter, you, you, you see all the ingredients, and you build your burrito and bowl. Mm -hmm. And then uh, order a soda and a fountain soda. Um, so it checked again, checked off all of our requirements in terms of that brand. So immediately we fell in love with the quaint space. It was the right square footage. It's in the corner. It's an up and coming area. It's got an amazing patio. And um, when it was time for the name, again, we were very stuck. We were like, wow. Again, we're, I can't believe we haven't gotten better at this. Um, <laughs> it's such a difficult thing. I've, I've yeah. tried to, I've had to come up with the name there of is a couple no science of brands. No, it. there's no science. There's no science. Yeah. It's what I'm developing now three logos and three brands. Um, it, it's, uh, it's really, you have to let it go and it has to come to you. And so when we thought of this quick service restaurant, hybrid restaurant, um, I remember exactly when it happened. I was sitting at home watching Netflix with my wife and we were watching the Luis Miguel series on Netflix. Um, if anybody knows Luis Miguel, you know that he's one of the biggest pop artists in Mexico. And to this day, it doesn't make as much music, but he actually is doing a tour right now. And my wife knows every song. It grew up in the 80s and 90s with him and so forth. And I remember watching it, the show, it kicked off, and I said to myself, wow, this guy is such a fresa. And my wife looks at me and she goes, what, you have a problem with fresas? And I said, no, you're the probably the biggest fresa that I know besides this guy, Luis Miguel. And she goes, there it is. <laughs> she goes, fresa taqueria. And I said, I'll do better. 
que fresa to follow the que uh -huh. brands, uh -huh. que fresa taqueria. And I said, you know what? Since you came up with the name, I'm going to dedicate the logo to you. <laughs> and so the logo is a female skull, sugar skull, with her outline of her um, skull and um, more feminine, pinks and purples. And we wanted it to be very pink and in your face. <laughs> Because Fresa, growing up in the 80s and 90s, um, if you know anything about Fresa, it, it was a revolution in Mexico. It, it, it was uh, young kids, uh, wealthy families in Mexico City. They had disposable income. They went to private school. So they're preppy people, so to speak. And then they started traveling all around the globe and studying abroad. And they had a, a certain way of talking, a certain way of dressing. And my, my wife grew up around that. And so... Um, it just even the way they just talk is like you recognize it, mm -hmm. and again that culture grew, 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 and now it's all over South America as well. V very similar to the terminology que onda, fresas are now in Central America and South America. Everybody knows when you say they call you a fresa, it's because they're calling you someone preppy, metrosexual, so to speak. You dress a certain mm -hmm. way, you you smell a certain way, you eat a certain way, you carry yourself a certain way. And so I said, you know what? That's it. And we're going to make preppy tacos. There you go. <laughs> and so our menu is um, um, street tacos and preppy tacos. In the beginning, when we launched the preppy tacos, uh, the my marketing team was a little concerned that preppy tacos would, would translate into expensive tacos. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know, no, it's that's what fresa means. Don't worry about it. We'll price them correctly. We've always been value in the company. Um, but I need this to stick preppy tacos. No one, do, no one's doing that. And so that's why we divided the tacos into your regular street tacos that everybody knows. Plus the other half of the menu of tacos are the innovative ones, the ones with over the top garnishes, over the top proteins, over the top presentation. Um, you know, micro cilantro and, 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 and you know, those kind of things. So carried into our cocktail program as well. Um, So that's that's the second brand, uh, Kefresa, that we opened in 2022 in October. How many uh, locations do you have for that brand so far? Um, so October of last year, we opened it. Honestly, we wanted to wait a year mm -hmm. because it's brand new. Yeah. And um, to let it kind of develop its legs. Yeah. Um, but it, it just caught on so quickly that we said, wow. This is amazing. I think we could do more of these. And right around the time that we were opening Plaza Midwood, Keonda, the fifth location, uh, right around January, February, I get a call from my broker. And she goes, Susan, she goes, hey, by the way, um, the marketing team and the vice president of Duke Energy is very interested in having a Kefresa in the new tower at the Duke Energy Center. I, I knew nothing. I knew about the Duke Energy, the old building with the skyline, the mm -hmm. V, uh, mm -hmm. the lights up at night, the skyline uh, of Charlotte, uptown Charlotte. I was like, oh, wow. I mean, that building is great. But I was like, there's a lot of restaurants there already. She goes, no, no, no. They're consolidating all their 4,500 employees into a new tower that they're building right next door. Um, and that tower is going to house everybody, all Oh, the, the president, the vice president, the chairman, every, everybody at Duke Energy uh, lo locally here in, in, the, in the Carolinas. And I said, wow, why do they want 
Kefresa. Well, so so happens that um, the vice president of marketing actually visits the Kefresa location on a daily basis. There you go. <laughs> and so he reached out to their broker, and their broker happens to be one of my brokers as well. Wow. So the connection there was like, it's natural. They really want you to be there. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was still hesitant. I was just opening the Plaza Midwood, Keonda. And I said to myself, it's now or never. They really want this. And I think it's great to partner up with somebody like Duke Energy. Um, so we worked out a deal and uh, signed that deal in Jan- uh, February. Put a lease together. We're slated to take over the space um, for construction July 1st. Should be about a four or five month construction period. Um, and Kefresa 2 should open later, fourth quarter this year. Um, you know, we've had an opportunity with our marketing team to share it to everybody in Charlotte through Axios and the Charlotte Observer. Um, and it's really exciting because who would have known less than a year we're opening another location of Kefresa. So our goal is Kefresa is going to grow quicker. It's, um, it's a uh, least expensive build out, smaller footprint. Um, that we know can be in many types of neighborhoods and can coexist with Keonda. Keonda being more entree focus, more appetizer focus, cocktails and a tequila bar, tequila flights, that kind of stuff. So we took a chance and, you know, when we open the, when, when we do open the, the Duke Energy project in Uptown, six blocks away, there's a Keonda. So, but it's such an isolated area and it's such an isolated audience, 4,500 employees in that building, which by the way, they're requiring all their employees to work four day work weeks now, starting in September, um, two massive hotels right in front of us, the convention center across the street and south end a uh, crossing the bridge, crossing 277 is right there. So it was a no brainer. We had to do it. Yeah. Um, we're in the works of doing the third location for next year. We're on letter of intent right now. Can't really share the location until we sign a lease, but I definitely think it's going to go through. Um, and um, we're looking at uh, South Charlotte for the third Kefresa now. Well, what an opportunity. I mean, it, it really one of those opportunities where you, whether you're ready or not, you can't pass it you up. You can't pass it, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, congratulations Thank on that. You. That is, that is really awesome. You, uh, you know, I was talking to, um, another restaurateur recently and, um, he mentioned, you know, when you mentioned that, um, your partnership with, with the, uh, the Duke energy building, uh, came up quickly and surprisingly, uh, but you were able to make it happen. And, and, um, another restaurateur I spoke with recently, uh, described a similar situation. And, um, the thought that came to mind for me was that, um, sometimes we need a little luck to be successful, but the old saying is like, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Right. And, um, the, uh, the individual I'm thinking of right now said that, uh, it was a, a convergence of, um, preparation and opportunity yeah and it he you know the right opportunity came along and he was prepared for it and it sounds like you were too so yeah i consider luck as equal to invested opportunities Mm -hmm. 
um, it doesn't just happen naturally. Yeah. You're not just going to get lucky and open your first restaurant. Uh, the first one's always the hardest. Um, correction, the second one is always the hardest, mm-hmm. I find, um, in my company. Um, you know, because now you got to split yourself in two and you got to be in two places now. So now you have to find, now, now you're invested in people, you know, your team. You know, your, your workforce, what are they doing for you? They're, they're the ones greeting the tables. They're the ones making the food. They're the ones shaking those drinks. So now systems come into play. Now yeah. morale comes into play. Now um, the opportunities of growth that people want. You know, this, this, this new generation, it's all about opportunities. It's like, what are you going to do for me if I do for you? It would, Prior generations was, I'm going to do this for you. In hopes that you're going to do this for me. Now it's like, no, no, no. What are you going to do for me? Mm. Then I'll do for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the workforce has changed. And you have to adapt with it. You have to change with it. And that's probably one of the hardest things that that, that uh, we have faced. Um, but definitely luck is created. It's uh, Yes, there is that. But if you don't create it, there won't be luck. Sure. If you don't buy the lottery ticket. Right. If you don't get up in the morning, go to the gas station and buy that lottery ticket, that initiative, yeah, that inertia is the opportunity you're creating for the luck that you're looking for. Was it Jordan that said you'll miss 100% of the shots that you don't take? Yep, so, exactly. Um, yeah, 100%. I mean, I, uh, and I probably butchered the quote. Uh, from the other guests, so I will go back and make sure that I got that right. And if I if I need to edit that, I will. Uh, I'll add it in the closing for this episode. I'll correct Absolutely. myself, but I think you you get the gist of what I was okay. getting at. Manny, what uh, what about some advice for anyone who might be considering launching their own business? Um, entrepreneurs, especially successful business owners, make it look so easy. Um, what uh, what what is a piece of advice that you've learned over your multiple decades of both working with entrepreneurs and during your own entrepreneurial journey? What would you say stands out? I, I think what stands out, and you know, for those wanting to to, to take on this opportunity and 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 really work for themselves, um, you know, it's the land of the opportunity. It may sound cliche, but it really is. I'm I'm an immigrant. You know, I came here, my parents came here with nothing. Um, So we created opportunities. Um, And so what I always tell people, and and, and recently, I've never been really asked to mentor anyone because I'm I'm very passionate of what I do. And it's very hard for me to explain it. I'm a doer. It's very hard for me to say, let me sit here and explain to you, mentor you. So my, my, the company I work, uh, um, my broker that works for me recently said, hey, I have this one couple in Greenville. They have a quick service taqueria. And um, they took leap of faith. It's a family run business, husband and wife. And they're looking to expand and they want their second location, but they are scared, completely scared. They don't know what to do. Now they have a little bit of money. Am I going to lose this money? Not worked so hard. If the second one fails, it's going to bring the second one down. And he asked me to mentor uh, this couple. Um, and I said, you know, I-, I can't sit in a room and do this. I'm going to invite them to the restaurants. I'm gonna, as I'm touring my restaurants to them, 
what my goal was to inspire them that you could do this. You know, it's, it's not rocket science. You've already done more than 50% of it. Um, and now you want to grow. That's amazing. First of all, taking that step is extremely hard. And I said, just realize that the second one is going to be the hardest for the reasons I, I mentioned earlier. And um, you just have to take it. You have to create opportunities for yourself constantly. There are going to be amazing days. There are going to be extremely bad days. There are going to be bad reviews that come in and insult you. But you know what? 100% I'm a firm believer that you can't please everybody. I'm going to die trying. Mm -hmm. We're going to, except for giving the house away, mm -hmm. but we're going to do everything <laughs> possible to make sure that the experience was met one way or the other. And that's what's unique about specifically restauranteurs. You know, I can tell you on a daily basis, I see a thousand people on a daily basis. How do you plan for that in, in, in multi-location? So the mentoring that I gave her, them, the couple uh, from Greenville, is showing them my locations, explaining to them my beginnings, um, organizing. So what I got out of it, I learned is that in order to be successful, in order for you to do this, is you have to have a plan. If you don't have a plan, one of the biggest reasons restaurant fails, and listen, I look at restaurants with my, my, my brokers uh, on a weekly basis. I am, I'm always looking for opportunities. You never know. Some are terrible, some are like, uh, or some are a waste of time, right? Um, most are. And what I find in doing that is that there's a lot of brands out there, the restaurants that have failed, not because the brand wasn't great, it's because the restauranter failed. And what I find is a lot of people think this is a glamorous life, right? Owning a restaurant, let me give you a martini, let me give you, it's nice to buy a drink for somebody. Oh, they're buying me a drink or they're buying me my meal. They're showing me a good time. I'm sitting down. They have the best server taking care of me. It's hospitality. It's what you do at home. And this is how I train our team. You know, you, you don't tell when, when someone comes to us and says, hey, where are the restrooms? You don't point. You walk them at least halfway to where they can see the signage and say, there it is. Mm -hmm. Because when you're at home and you welcome people, you don't say, oh, it's around the corner, take two left. No, you, when, when, when you're having guests over at your house, it's a situation where you're prepping, right? The food the drinks that they're going to have, where they're going to put their coats, where are we going to get seated? Is the ambiance okay? Are we going to go to the patio? Is it too hot? Is there shade? You're already doing what a restauranter does. It's hospitality. Um, so, you know, those are the things that I always tell people now that I've learned to mentorship others. It's, uh, it, it's have a plan, be 100% dedicated and passionate, until you do it. Because if you quit halfway and you think that, oh, this is enough, it's never enough. You have to keep going. You have to be innovative. You have to adapt with the location. You have to adapt with the employees. You have to have all of that in mind. And I, I haven't even scratched the surface of, of a business plan. What are you going to do for marketing? What are you going to do um, for uh, funding? You know, let's go back all the way to the beginning. You know, uh, uh, where's this money going to come from? Right. A lot of people come in in the business and say, oh, I got good amount of money. I'm ready to go. That is one percent of it. Everything else is the effort, the hard hours, the dedication. And it has to hurt you. 
Yeah. Once it hurts you, you know you made it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a secret sauce to, to, to a business owner. When it starts hurting is when you know that you made it. Mm-hmm. Because from there, you've already, you're numb to the pain. Now you know what to do. You've experienced it. And so this couple, you know, they, they put a bid um, on, the second, on their second location. They lost the bid, but now they're not scared. And they just needed that little extra push of somebody else doing it. You can do it. Yeah. It's not rocket science. I love that advice. I love that story too, to kind of put it into perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, having a plan and executing the plan is so important. I uh, don't want to build that airplane while you're going down the runway. Exactly. Like you, you need it built before you Yeah, launch. you don't want to be doing your checklist once you're on the runway. That's right. right. Your checklist has to be complete, <laughs> yeah, right? Because right. otherwise something's going to fail. And it doesn't mean you don't try new things along the way, but your core plan really needs to be in place and developed. Um, I say this all the time from the from the Everything Store, the, the biography about Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos made billions of dollars of failures during his uh, career and the build out of Amazon, but his successes paid for those failures. But the original business plan never changed right yep. it was always you know the 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 service they wanted to provide was always the same yeah 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 i love the story this is off topic the story of his board meetings where there was always one empty chair in the boardroom and that chair was for the customer yeah and uh, i always i loved that um uh love him or hate him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but anyway Manny, tell me, uh, before we close, share a little information about K Hospitality. Okay, so we created, um, now that we have Kefresa, we're actually working on um, the third and the fourth brand. We're going to have a Spanish tapas mm-hmm. uh, brand because of my um, experience with uh, Spanish food and Jose Andres Hospitality um, in Washington, D.C. Um, so I, I was exposed to a lot of Spain, a lot of travels there, small plates, uh, regions, paella, wine, sherry, um, all of it. And it's a passion of mine because I did it for 11 years. Um, so um, we're going to go ahead and create, uh, we've created that third brand. We're waiting um, for the second and the third Fresa to kind of roll out and then we'll focus on, on, on that brand. Um, so at that point, we decided, hey, that's three brands. And the fourth one, we're looking to do a rotisserie, chicken rotisserie concept, mm-hmm. South American style. Mm-hmm. Um, we feel there's a, a big opportunity in Charlotte for that. So in thinking of that, it's like, wait a minute, we need a management team now. We need a home office. We need a payroll clerk. We need to get structured and organized. So before we did all of this with Quefresa, we invested in a foundation of directors, a beverage, um, a payroll clerk. Um, we have a brand ambassador that does social media marketing and uh, reputation management. Um, we have an event, uh, private event and catering director. Um, we have a, um, a finance director joining the team. So um, in doing all of that, the idea was with Que hospitality would manage all these four brands mm-hmm. eventually four brands right now just two um so that's where care hospitality uh was created just to support the restaurants um to give them the necessary tools to be successful so that our management team knows hey don't worry social media is taken care of don't worry payroll is taken care of don't worry your purchases are taken care of your repairs in the restaurant are taken care of because when you're starting in restaurants you know, you're wearing multiple hats. 
you're doing the plumbing, you're doing the electrical, you're mm -hmm. doing everything. <laughs> you know, it's funny I mentioned that because the the uptown location, I mean, we that thing we built by hand. I mean, we didn't have a, a general contractor. As a matter of fact, the only time we've ever had a general contractor was for Kefresa because we needed to build a bar um, and permit it. And I didn't know, you know, uh, permit offices and that process here in Mecklenburg County. So we had to hire a general contractor. And now building Kefresa 2 from scratch, it's, it's a concrete shell right now. We have to have an architect. We have to have an engineer and so forth. So... Um, those, that's the kind of support that Keha Hospitality will give now to our, to our team, um, to make them successful. And our goal with Keha Hospitality is we want our management team and our staff, hourly team members to be guest facing at all times. If you have to spend an hour on payroll, two hours on payroll in the office, we're doing something wrong. Keha Hospitality is doing something wrong. We have to provide that because the most important job to this day is the guest interaction. Well said. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Um, you launched in 2016, you said? 2015. Uh, 2015. Mm -hmm. So um, eight years now. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. What a whirlwind. Yeah. And there's, there's still the best still to come. Yep. I know. <laughs> the best still to come. You know, I, uh, we're really excited the direction we're going right now. Um, it gets harder, but it's, uh, there's a lot of passion. There's a flame still burning inside me to provide more opportunities and, uh, create, um, um, uh, environments for a lot of team members. I and mean, we're, we're up to 200 employees now. Wow. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, I never thought about it that way until our payroll clerk said, many, we're going to need a little bit more investing in payroll now in mm -hmm. HR. I was like, wow, how many employees? 200. Wow. Okay. You're absolutely right. And, you know, that's that right there is an achievement as well. To be able to provide work for 200 people and their families, I mean, I, I, I'll never forget. You know, I'll never forget how I got here and now being able to pass down those opportunities to others. That is quite an achievement. That's amazing. Yeah. And um, I'm really excited for you and your team and, and for the, the future growth and, to, and for what's coming down uh, ahead. Uh, it's, it's really exciting. I'll, uh, I'll have links, of course, to the brands in the show notes for this episode and um, so that listeners can learn more about uh, Kaonda and your other brands. And uh, Manny, I just want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule Absolutely. to join the podcast. I'm excited to share uh, <laughs> your story and the story behind K Hospitality and K Onda yeah. with, uh, with our audience. And uh, just really appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks again to Manny Flores for joining the podcast and sharing the story of his entrepreneurial journey. Friends, I'll have links to both K Onda and K Fresa in the show notes for this episode. As always, you can find the show notes for all of our episodes at the home of Charlotte's number one small business podcast www.thebestofclt.com. One note, I just want to clarify real quick that quote I mentioned during our conversation, the one about missing 100% of the shots you don't take. I credited Michael Jordan for that one, but I was wrong. That's actually a Wayne Gretzky quote. Not a big deal, but I do want to clarify that little mistake on my part. All right, my friends, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks as always for following along with the Best of Charlotte podcast. Another episode drops next week, I promise, and I sincerely hope you'll join me again for a listen. Until then, cheers, Charlotte.
Bye for now. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Best of Charlotte. Please consider subscribing to the podcast to stay up to date on our weekly episodes and leave us a review. Until next time, cheers, Charlotte.